Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and welcome back. I appreciate you joining me. This is another interview from the Guinness World Record Setting Interview Marathon that we did last May. And this one is with Julia McMichael. She's from New Jersey. And this is interview number 54 in the series. There's a 137 interviews total. This is interview 54 and i hope that you find her thoughts instructive welcome to the podcast my friend um we're going to start with the easy question and that is uh, what is your name for everyone else uh, everyone out is, there <laughs> my name is julia mcmichael and i live in new jersey uh, excellent julia i appreciate you joining me and um we'll start with start right in with the interview and that is can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your experience in healthcare? Yeah, so I am currently a stay-at-home mom of four young kids, five, uh, six, five, three, and almost two. And uh, while having them, I also got my bachelor's degree in healthcare um, service administration. And I worked in the healthcare field on the administration side for just about 10 years. I quit when I had my fourth baby, I finally said, my hands are full. Um, and I worked in um, family medicine and then I got to work on the corporate side where I was going into other practices all over the tri-state area. And I was checking in on their quality control and if they were meeting metrics for their different insurance companies. Um, I also got to train offices about their workflows and how to get a patient more efficiently through the office and in a quicker manner. And then I also got to go on the other side and I got to do all the scheduling for four practices and 28 providers and do all their data analytics for um, all their appointment efficiencies and things like that. So then I also get to be an advocate for myself and my husband and my four children and all their healthcare involvements. And then I often am helping family and friends understand their healthcare benefits when they're choosing for work or whatever, because it seems to be overwhelming and confusing. Okay. So um, you must have a huge hat rack because um, you have a ton of different hats that you wear. Um, and I'll just say that your work in, in efficiency and helping practices understand how to get patients through the, um, through the office as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah, we need, we need to clone you on that and send you around mm -hmm. because how, how many of the, how many of the complaints that people have is I had to wait so long and often, and then it's, it's a double-edged sword because you say I had to wait so long and then they didn't spend very much time with me. Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of like the more time they spend with you, the longer the next person is going to have to wait. And can you talk about the logistics of how you, how you, expedite the patient flow and yet um, maximize the amount of time that 
that the medical practitioner is spending with the patient? Does so that I make sense first, as a question? Yeah, it does. I think it first starts with your EMR system, your electronic clinical record system. Um, if you're not using paper anymore, which most people have moved to electronic medical records, um, is your system efficient? You know, does it work with your workflow? Um, and then it also comes down to the patient's care starts the moment that patient's name is called. Once they check in, it's starting. Um, so you are utilizing your medical assistance to bring them back to take all the necessary things, their blood pressure, their temperature. Are you getting all of that done, tracked and out of the way? Um, is the nurse coming in or the medical assistant asking and addressing not only the issue they're there for today, but then utilizing some time to check in. Okay, have you gotten your colonoscopy? Have you gotten your mammogram? Asking all those questions to get them out of the way so that when the provider's in there, he can now discuss what's going on and see a better full picture because the information has already been stored there. Um, so that when the provider comes in, he's not taking or she or he is not taking that time to ask you those basic questions that a medical assistant or someone else can do. Um, the more questions he has to ask you to get to the to the issue, the mm -hmm. more of his, of the time of that provider that's getting eaten up. Okay, so help me with something though, because it's good to have the you know somebody ask all those questions and put all that information into the into the EMR into the electronic medical record. But how do you help the doctor as he comes into the room not to have his nose in, in the, the, the iPad or the, yeah. So, because I mean, he needs to, he needs to get the information, but sometimes it's almost like the information in the computer becomes more important than yes. connecting with the patient. Do you understand it? I, I, yes, you, I understand So how do you help him? Or so her? I think it comes down to the way the screen is interfacing to the provider. Um, what are they seeing? Are they having to make multiple clicks? I know that when we were working with different doctors, the main complaint was I have to click in so many different spots to see all that I need to see. So it's bringing all of those main things that the provider has on their mind when they're walking into the room all to one screen. So when they open it up, you see green or red or yellow, meaning something's coming up to be due. Red, it is not due. This patient's not getting it done. Green, everything's clear. We're good. So that they can see the issues and the things that they need to address right away. Now that breaks into quality metrics, which is a whole nother thing that we'll get to in quality healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So along the way, have you met anyone that you would classify as a healthcare hero? I think my healthcare hero was actually my OBGYN, like Allie said right before me. Um, when my second child was born, she didn't breathe for the first five minutes. And my OB kept the room very calm and relaxed. I think she knew. I think she was nervous. I, Rob and I were very nervous. Um, the staff was nervous. But the way she handled it, the way she communicated with the other staff in the room, when NICU came in, she controlled the setting. Um, and when Mackenzie finally decided to take a breath and breathe and scream, she immediately got up, embraced my husband, came over, kissed me on the cheek, and reassured us that everything was okay. And we all just kind of took that big relief. But she became a human, you know, in that moment. But the whole time she was making sure that the mood was controlled and that she didn't rev up our emotions to start thinking of all the possibilities of what that could mean of her not taking a breath. Yeah. Um, I, that's that's amazing and what a what a powerful statement for her and you said that she was likely 
nervous and worried, but not conv- not letting that affect the way that she did her work and the way that she um, was a, I'm going to put words in your mouth and you can tell me whether <laughs> or not I'm wrong, but um, she was kind of like a, you know, a, a solid rock of, you know, foundation, not being driven around or, you know, not be, not movable um, or, you know, like just a, a calming influence. It, are those, would those be accurate? Yeah. She was very steady. All right. Um, so what does quality healthcare mean to you? And I'll just be quiet. Cause I'm, <laughs> I've been waiting for this answer. Okay, so quality healthcare to me, it definitely goes beyond the insurance quality metrics. Um, And the main reason I say that is because a big part of my job was going in and checking that um, everyone was hitting their quality metrics, because when they hit their quality metrics, guess what, they got a big check. So, you know, if I'm working for you as the office, I want to make sure that you're going to get your check, I want to make sure that you're checking all your quality metrics. But quality healthcare is not just checking a box. It's when the provider listens to the patient's concerns. It's when the provider is assessing the patient as a whole, which a lot of times that means you need to look into the patient's lifestyle. You need to look into the patient's environment. You need to look into who and what is taking care of this patient. Um, It then also goes into fluid communication between your primary care and any specialist that you have involved, which is so important that your whole healthcare team, however many providers that involves from any different healthcare areas, that they're all on the same path and have the same goal in mind to help this patient reach an optimal form of living. So often that means being willing to look at other options than just medication and see, you know, what else can we do for the patient? What about their diet? It's, It's not always just looking give a quick fix. And I think that communication ab- around the whole board of who's caring for this patient can make a big difference. Yeah. Very, very well said. Um, <laughs> so what is one thing uh, or what is something that you wish your medical providers understood about you? I think I've had a couple instances. Um, I struggled with postpartum depression after my third pregnancy. And then after I had my fourth baby, we decided, you know, we were going to take a break from having kids. And I really struggled with my hormones just being out of balance and trying to figure that out and what that meant. And in both of those circumstances, when I finally had the courage to address the fact that I was having an issue, I felt like the overall response was, oh, a lot of people go through this. So here you go. Here's how we're going to fix it. And I felt like I was so overwhelmed in those moments because I was emotionally having a really hard time that I was just like, whatever, we'll fix it, please. And instead of talking it through and asking more questions and seeing my options, I just felt like something was thrown at me because it worked for the general, but I'm not everybody else. And I want to be Mm -hmm. looked at as an individual. And I think then I have come back and advocated for myself and said, Hey, this doesn't work for me. I actually don't want to do this and I need to find other options. And I did do that when I had the postpartum depression and found another avenue that worked for me. Um, but I had to fight for myself. So I think sometimes I just wish I wasn't just put into a category that we were always looked at the whole picture as an individual. Yeah. So I think what I heard you say in there is like, I, <laughs> I don't want to be fixed. I want to be heard. Um, mm. it, um, did I, did I properly, or did I miss it? And you were saying like, I don't care what it is. Just 
like I don't want to feel like this anymore. Fix it. Fix me. Where would you kind of? I definitely, <laughs> I definitely felt those ways at those times. Like I don't want to feel like this anymore. But I also didn't want a quick fix. I wanted a lasting fix. Mm. And so I think often both of those instances, I was just thrown medicine, and they didn't work for me. And then I had sure. to start back from square one. So I don't want to just have the quick fix. I don't want to meet. I want to do put in the work if I need to, to make sure that my overall long term health then is getting better as well. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, what is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? So I think my first thought is don't rush. Um, I understand that, you know, you cannot spend an hour with every patient, like we were saying, that it just backs up the whole schedule. But I've been in positions where companies are pushing to see six patients an hour. And I just think it starts to get ridiculous. And with the pressure of insurance companies, it becomes, you know, are they hitting their qualities? What's the analytical data? Um, and when you start to view your practice that way as a provider, I think you're losing out on why you're practicing medicine in the first place. Um, so I just think like allow your patients to feel heard. Um, and I think that comes to figuring out a workflow that works for you so that you as the doctor can be connected in your winner each in every appointment. How, and, and like you said, being away from the screen, you know, having that connection with the patient and making them feel heard um, and utilizing your staff. I think we need to train patients. And I've learned this from being in the work environment that a nurse practitioner or a PA or a nurse or a medical assistant, they are all there to help you as a whole. Not everything just has to come directly from the doctor. So we as patients also need to learn how to utilize those staff members. And the doctors and other providers need to utilize the staff as a whole so that the patient can get the full experience. Okay. Um, you said a number in there and it, it came out real quick. How many patients are they trying to get them to see an hour? I was in a circumstance where they want six patients seen an hour. Okay, like that's, you can barely get in the door and mm. um, like say hello and shake hands and turn around and walk out <laughs> in 10 minutes. It is my professional opinion. It, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just, it's so much pressure. And yeah, I'm assuming that when they do that, there's also pressure that you're only handling one issue per visit. Um, right. And so people who are coming in with multiple concerns are having to, to come back multiple times because, you know, because they're, they're not able to be handled in one session. Uh, do you know, and maybe this, this is an unfair question to ask, do you know if there is a mechanism built into a system like that to say somebody like me is coming in where I have some high end needs? And are mm -hmm. you able to book a double session or yes. are you like, how does that work? So yes, there's definitely that option. And with the six patients an hour, I did see a lot of providers say, no, we're not doing that. Four was the highest they would go. And okay. then, you know, there are circumstances where if you know the patient has a lot of comorbidities and there's a lot of different issues going on, you can flag the chart so that anytime that patient tries to schedule, you know, this person needs at least 30 minutes. Um, and then there are appointments like your wellness physical takes more time because there's more things to fill out or a pre-op appointment. Um, those are also going to be usually a 30 minute appointment because there's more things that have to be done. Um, but yes, what I have seen in multiple places, even flags of 
someone's coming in and their daughter always comes with them, that she's the caregiver. And so there's always more time, usually allotted to those kind of appointments so that the healthcare provider can take the time to make sure everything's getting done. Yep. Uh, listen, Julia, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you being here and I appreciate you, your willingness to share. Um, I will tell you that I respect you and I appreciate your perspective on healthcare. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.